Lock your freezers, hide your meat, and make those beef patties now. Joe Biden is coming after your hamburgers, or so conservatives would have you believe. Meanwhile, in the real world, Joe Biden's first 100 days have come and gone, and there have been things that have been accomplished. And of course, perverts are still being perverts. We will conclude our pervert politician segment with a new addition, someone that we need to add. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Pop Into Politics, episode 16. This is Kobe here in New York City. So I'll be taking a short hiatus, which I will discuss a little later in the episode. But I want to thank everyone so much for listening and supporting my podcast, both in the first season and now in the second. Uh, My hiatus will not be long, but I can't be in more than one place and do all this stuff at the same time. So I'm going to have to take a slight break. Anyway, if you like what you've been hearing, please rate me on your favorite platform. Also, in honor of Silly Season, which I'm getting ready to start discussing, I'm having a glass of Riesling. Raise your glasses at home. I hope that you are taking a drink. It's been a while since I've been able to have a cocktail or a drink while I am doing the podcast because I've been doing these in the morning, but this one I'm doing in the evening. So yes, please take a glass because we are still fully immersed in silly season. So let's get right into it. America girl, your house ain't right. And we know what that means. America girl, you know your house ain't been right. Now get it together. So yes, America girl, we are still in trouble. We are still in trouble because there's a large segment of the population that believes absolute and utter bullshit. The election of one man obviously cannot solve all of the ails of this nation, and the partisan divide, obviously, uh, he would not be able to solve alone. But let's just review. We are in May of 2021, and I just want to discuss some of the Biden scandals before we get to Hamburger Gate and the Hamburglar. So let's discuss some of the Biden scandals that we have had. I think it's worth remembering as we enter the month of May. We had Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head Gate. We didn't know whether Mr. Potato Head had a penis or a vagina or both or none of the above. People were really upset about that. We had Dr. Seuss Gate. Dr. Seuss. They're banning Dr. Seuss. The liberals are coming after Dr. Seuss. Can I just say I grew up, I love Dr. Seuss. I might have to reevaluate now that he was being blatantly racist in some books. The other thing that was so interesting about that particular scandal, that liberal progressive scandal that we created and how we're changing America, was the Seuss Foundation. Dr. Seuss's foundation that tries to honor his legacy and make sure that it is viable for generations to come. And having slanty-eyed characters and creatures probably doesn't go so well in 2021's 21st century America. So by the way, that wasn't any progressive people lobbying for that. That was people within that organization. Meanwhile, the current scandal is your hamburgers, your hamburgers. (sighs) Joe Biden is coming after your meat. Coming to touch your meat. Okay, I can make a joke about that. So this is probably slightly old news, but I thought it was important to talk about because again, when we're talking about governing, we're talking about governing and good governance and the public good, we have to understand what's important to 
a large segment of the American populace and what's being fed to them or reinforced to them. So this whole Joe Biden's coming for your hamburger patty scandal, I wanted to talk about it a little bit because it is tied to something that is serious, which of course is climate change. And there was an article in the Daily Mail. So it wasn't even our fucking papers. Those Brits causing us problems. We love you. We love you, London. We love you, Queenie. We love you. I don't know if that was a good accent. The president of the United States would like the United States to be back in the worldwide community and with the worldwide consensus around climate change. One, that it is real. And two, that something needs to be done about it. And three, that it's an existential threat, uh, not only to our way of life, but to folks around the world. And so Biden has a plan to cut emissions in half by 2030. Now, when you hear stories like, he's stealing our hamburgers and hot dogs, it does make you think, can the United States actually deal with that when the politicians are foolish and the American people are foolish? Can we actually rally as a country, rally in policy to make that happen? But what was mentioned in a article was that a study had mentioned, well, one, lots of things would need to be done to cut emissions, uh, greenhouse emissions. And one of the things, of course, would be dealing with methane from beef production. And now, I mean, that could be something that the country could actually, if we were a country that was more interested in things that were meaningful and important. Now, listen, I love a good juicy hamburger just like everybody else. So I don't know if I want Joe Biden coming after my hamburger either. But the point here was that that was not in his plan. It was not in his plan. It was made up. And conservative media took this and that weird wackadoo congresswoman out in Colorado, Lauren Boebert, Bobart, Boebert, Bimbo. I don't know her name. Am I getting in trouble for calling her a bimbo? I could call her worse than a bimbo. I could say an apology later, I suppose. I don't know. I try not to say bad things about women. Lauren Bimbo, you know, had comments. Government, Joe Biden, stay off my stay off my hamburger patties. Which, this is the same party, Republicans. They want you to stay off their guns. They want you to stay off their hamburgers. They want you to stay out of health care matters. They don't want you to regulate any sort of corporate industry that pollutes or endangers people. And so what you end up having when you have a party that that's their stance on everything currently, on everything, is to freedom and leave me alone. Our country's fucked up. It's fucked up. So that was Lauren who had that to say. Our genius from Georgia, from Georgia. I have a friend who wants me to change my Georgia song which I will work on after my hiatus. I will pick something else besides my Ray Charles version of Georgia on my mind. (laughs) With that being said, Marjorie Taylor Greene was the one who actually came up with the term that President Biden was the hamburglar. The hamburglar. And you have to wonder, who are their constituents? Is it my nine-year-old niece? Or is it a tax-paying citizen who has some level of education, has read a book or two, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, something. Speaking of Dr. Seuss, do they have any intellect? Do they have any seriousness about them? And then it makes you wonder, but people believe this. Because corporations, this being Fox News, that peddled this story and tried to make this a thing, and it probably is still a thing. I'm sure there are Americans running around concerned that they ain't going to have no hamburgers. Someone, there was a Republican politician talking about, you're not going to have your hamburgers on the 4th of July. Who cares? Like, I could think of, and this is what upsets me. If America's stuff was in order, 
girl, as I like to say, America girl, your stuff's not in order. There are at least five other things that I would think we need to be focusing on as a country. Immigration, COVID, infrastructure, police reform, the national debt, climate change. I think that's actually five or six, right? Just off the top of my head, things that we should be focused on. What about our mental health crisis that we have in this country and and what has been exacerbated because of the pandemic? And so the opioid crisis is still not done. I mean, there, there are so many issues that we have. And so we have a party, we have a political party that wants to seize on every moment of nonsensical bullshit because they have no platform. So let's go back to the plan. We have so many issues, so many things that require a consensus and a policy solution. So Biden's plan to cut emissions in half by 2030. Okay, that's one acknowledging that climate change is real. (laughs) And so, but unfortunately, we still have people who do not believe that climate change is real. So we can't even get to arguing the methods on how to get to that goal that President Biden has outlined. And so we only get Democrats who do not always have good ideas, who I do think sometimes are too, maybe too radical or too progressive, or there could be a more moderate approach. But we do not have another governing party in power. We have children in power. And the Republicans who have some sense, like I'm going to use Liz Cheney, uh, Congresswoman from Wyoming, and the daughter of Darth Vader, known as the former Vice President Dick Cheney, she has been coming out and taking some heat and maintaining that Donald Trump should not be able to run for President of the United States in 2024, that people who participated or enabled the January 6th insurrection should be disqualified from office. Unfortunately, Liz Cheney is one of over 200 Republican House members. So what we're left with are Marjorie Taylor Greens, who believe in Jewish space lasers that cause forest fires. We're left with Lauren Boberts, Lauren Bimbos, who come out in their ad campaigns with guns. And we have people who seriously take an issue as serious as climate change and decide to focus on scaring Americans that they're not going to have a hamburger. Although judging by some of our health issues in America, perhaps someone shouldn't have a hamburger for one moment or two. So where do we go from here? There was also kind of an article in, it might've been the Times or it might've been on CNN, but going into how hyper-partisan the country remains and that it's it, it's still getting worse. And I do think that that is not good for the country. And when and where I can, I will try to spotlight good Republican leadership thought so I can mention someone like Liz Cheney and what she is doing. I agree with nothing else that Liz Cheney probably stands for. I don't agree with her foreign policy. I do not agree with her beliefs in terms of women's reproductive rights. She's probably way too cozy with big business for my liking. But I can appreciate and respect her just standing up on what's the obvious when clearly no one has her back. And that's interesting, too. She's the number three House Republican in leadership. Kevin McCarthy is number one. I cannot think of the second person right now. Oh, it's Steve Scalise. Steve and Kevin McCarthy are two down there kissing the orange man's ass. So Liz is left on her own to try to make this push in this battle for the soul of the Republican Party. Although it doesn't seem like a battle. It seems like Carrie spun her head and thrown up all over everything. (laughs) 
<laughs> and this is what we're left with. But I don't know. I say that to say I don't know how we're not hyperpartisan because there's just one political party that just seems like they've completely lost their fucking minds. So there's that. So we're still in trouble when the United States of America, when a news station and articles can talk about hamburgers being stolen from the Mick and D's, you're going to take your hamburgers. And again, some people should be eating asparagus. Some people need more broccoli, judging on some of our health issues. They should. Probably going to get myself in trouble for that one too. But I'm just, I'm just saying that should not be with all the things going on, even a real story. But it was a story. It was a story. So I just want to talk about the Hamburglar scandal. And now that is a good segue to get into Joe Biden's first 100 days. We talked about some of the issues that we could be talking about, but let's talk about what the president and his administration has done. And let's talk about some things that are not solved. So we got, obviously, the recovery and the stimulus out to working class, working families, depending on where you are, if you're talking about $75,000, $80,000 a year, middle class families, child care credits, a vaccination program that's trying to get itself together, leadership in terms of, again, you cannot downplay the importance of the president of the United States, whomever he or she may be. So when Donald Trump was telling people that everything would go away and it's just, it's like the flu, it's going to be all right, just inject some bleach. When Donald was telling people that, people believed that. People died, people didn't mask, we politicized that. I do think a lot of damage was done, but having an administration that in their actions collectively have try to set an example to the American people that this is something that needs to happen. We are behind it as the government of this country. And we're going to try to, you know, keep our promises where this virus is concerned and the importance of getting vaccines. I also thought it was really interesting with all of the the dust up with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, which really, if you think about at that point, I'm sure this number has changed, but if it was 7 million people who had the shot administered, and then you had six people unfortunately die from complications related to that vaccine, one could argue that in terms of a risk assessment, a risk analysis, that Overall, that vaccine is still incredibly safe and serves a purpose for the greater good and the population around us. But I thought it was very interesting that the FDA basically, hey, that's six people. That's one person too many. We are going to look at this again. We are going to tell the American people what's going on. We are going to stop administering this for now, and we're going to review. And I thought that that was another moment where... I'm sure Americans were freaked out. And for those who have vaccine hesitancy, that was something that people would, you know, well, see, this stuff doesn't work. But I thought what was really lost and what no one actually talked about in the media was that that would not have been what the Trump administration would have done. The Trump administration would have withheld that information if if they had decided, well, look, we want people to get vaccinated. So we don't want people to hear bad news. They would have stepped in. And pressured the FDA because we've learned, while we learned it during the Trump years, and we're still learning things after about how much pressure, incredible pressure, was put in under all sorts of agencies, from the Justice Department, FDA, NIH, all sorts of folks, who CDC, people who are supposed to be making decisions to benefit the American people and to protect us. And so I thought that that was a really big and good early signal for just the mindset of the Biden administration. Not that they are going to be perfect, not that they are not going to make some mistakes, but that 
there is a sense that government is supposed to get things done, but not just get things done. There should be some level of good governance. And there are going to be moments where eh, it's probably inconvenient that we just learned this about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. We're in the midst of this rollout. Anyone who watches Shit's Creek, rollout. Stop saying rollout. Anyway, so... Lots of good things. The withdrawal from Afghanistan, the 20 years that the United States has spent in that country. I do think that that is remarkable that we are now one, two, three, fourth, our fifth president in. And yes, I like to give credit where credit is due. Donald Trump had started this withdrawal of forces and they were supposed to be out by May. The Biden administration has decided to coincide with the anniversary of September 11th, which I actually don't really know whether to me, I don't know if I actually love that. But every president, Bush, Obama, Trump, and for various reasons that I do not think are as simple as some progressives make things, have continued to keep ground forces there. For Biden to begin to shift our American foreign policy fully out of what got us into the Middle East in the first place, I think is really risky potentially. But again, there are a lot of other foes, rivals, areas on the globe the United States needs to be paying attention to, not the least of which is its own domestic terror problem that we have right here at home. So I think there are things that the Biden administration has done very well in its first 100 days, the executive orders that they rolled back a number of things. Now, some things that I'm not happy with, but it has been a little over 100 days. I've mentioned HR1. I've mentioned HR4. Those things need to happen in the Senate. We now have the George Floyd policing bill. All of those things are coming out of the House. And all of those things need to occur while we still have Democratic majorities. And all of those things cannot happen until there is pressure on the United States Senate and specific senators, Manchin, Sinema, Hassan, Gene Shaheen, Coons, Carper, Tester. Some of your more moderate Democrats are probably going to need to all come on board to ensure that we get that 50 plus one with Vice President Harris to get those things through. So anyone at home who cares about these things, and if you have a senator, and those were all Democratic senators I named, the minimum wage, obviously that still has not happened. So there's work to be done. I know that for the progressive wing of the party, they want to see things about student loan debt. Although, again, I do think Biden's instincts of, I just can't with a pen wave people's, to, you know, again, he's not king. That's not how this works. I don't think that's how that should go. Throw tomatoes at me. Listen, I have student loans. I get it. I'm just saying there's a way. And I do think this issue around, again, I mentioned HR1 and HR4, but the issue of voting rights, what's happening in Georgia, what's happening in other states, the Democrats are going to have to lean into that and explain to the American people, black folks probably get it, but black and white, how that's important for us all. We do not have a republic if we do not have a right to vote and if every vote cannot be counted or if it can only be counted on Tuesdays, but not Wednesdays after seven, but like only in like a leap year. We can't, we can't. Let's get into, with that being said, our last segment, pervert politicians. Ooh, so nasty. So I promise that I will have a real pervert politician soundbite. I just have been super busy, so I'm going to need to take a little bit of a break, but I shall be back in June. But I will have an official pervert politician noise, although I could just keep doing my my splooge noise into the microphone. 
which the person who edits my podcast thinks is just absolutely vile and disgusting and that I should stop doing that. So let's talk about a pervert politician who is a pervert. And we know he's a pervert because Sasha Baron Cohen made sure that we knew he was a pervert. And he also looked like a pervert, but is also in the news and is also a Trump loyalist. And that is former New York City mayor, former America's mayor, Rudolph Giuliani, who looks like he probably, I don't, you guys can't see my face, but my nose is scrunched. And all of that, that space between your eyes and the nose area is just, oof. Like I've just smelled an unflushed toilet in a public setting. So I'm talking about him in the pervert politician section because I just want people to remember that he got caught trying to pull his pants down in front of a young lady. And because we just lived in really crazy times that just kind of got lost. He also married his cousin. People forget that his first wife was his cousin. And he cheated on his cousin with the second wife. And then he left Donna Hanover for his third wife, who he's now divorcing. So he nasty. He's nasty. Ooh, so nasty. But what he's in trouble for, I feel like all politicians need a reminder. And maybe this will change one day. But the FBI, actually, they investigate crimes. And the Department of Justice then brings charges. And so you can't do illegal things. And so they have a search warrant for his apartment, which is never a good sign, especially for someone so high profile that they're going to like search his home. But this goes back to all of Russia, Ukraine, and potentially being a foreign agent. And everyone has their due process, their day in court, all that stuff. But God, there's a lot of smoke around these people. I'm also putting him in the pervert corner because he had that black wax dripping down his side. And he was just, just nasty, nasty. Too old to be trying to pull your pants down and show a young lady when you're a prominent person. But you don't want to see your old wrinkly sauce. Put it away. Mm-mm. Probably expired and doesn't work in the child. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Rudy, with Dirty Rudy, who married his, his cousin and... Yeah, Rudy Giuliani was nasty from the beginning. The other thing that I always loved about Rudy Giuliani, when I say loved, I mean that slightly sarcastically, is that on September the 10th, New Yorkers hated him. Had 9-11 not occurred, Rudy Giuliani, no one would know his name. If you talk to, I mean, maybe people do know Ed Koch or David Dinkins, if you said some John Lindsay, if we were to just name New York mayors. But America would not have known this man. He had a personal scandal for cheating on his wife. Donna Hanover at the time, you know, again, some things don't change. The more things change, they stay the same. Police brutality issues were really big in New York at that point with officers. It was a case, and forgive me for not remembering this poor victim's name, but NYPD shoving a broomstick up someone's ass. I mean, you know, because that's what you do when you apprehend someone. Just terrible things that his administration at the time in the city tried to defend. And so white, black, people were just sicking over him for a lot of things. Pictures of Rudy Giuliani in drag with Donald Trump back in the day. I just love how like people can just reinvent themselves. They're like Madonna. They just give them a new corset, new outfit, and people forget forget that sort of portion of their lives. But so we're going to put Rudy Giuliani in the pervert corner, even though this is really more of a legal foreign policy, just law breaking. But because he's a pervert, we're going to stick him in the pervert corner. Andrew Cuomo. We must update on Andrew Cuomo who also remains under all sorts of investigations, even though I feel like the media has been shifting because there's so many bad politicians. But as I suspected, so you can't provide false data to the federal government. So that that is a thing. Sorry, I take notes as I, I write 
everyone as I'm talking to you I <laughs> on a piece of paper to make sure I'm saying the things I want to say. It's kind of a weird sort of thing I do. So if you hear like a pencil, that's me writing what I'm saying at the same time. So you, you can't provide false data. And so now the Justice Department, they've been coming in and interviewing aides. And it's not clear yet. Cuomo himself has talked to anyone. But making false statements is a crime. And this is where people get themselves in trouble with the FBI and Justice Department lawyers. And so we will see what shakes out of the Andrew Cuomo thing. And I put Andrew Cuomo in the pervert corner because of his touching, grabbing, kissing people at weddings, and not knowing that that's not what they like. I've changed. I've just learned at 63 that I can't kiss people who don't ask me to kiss them or who I'm not dating or who are like young enough to be my daughter. But I think the real story is this nursing home thing, the $4 million book advance. So maybe I'm going to have to do pervert politicians and corrupt politicians. Or just both. I just wanted to put them under perverts. They seem to be to do both. And then Matt Gates. I don't really have any new information on Matt Gates yet for this week, but I suspect when I return in June, there will be new information for Mr. Gates because that situation is not going so well for him either. So my first new episode will be on June 7th, Monday, June 7th. I will have dealt with some of the family issues I mentioned from last week. My grandmother's unfortunate passing, just kind of thrown a monkey wrench into some things. I shouldn't say it that way. I mean, in my plans. And again, I will just end this episode imploring everyone, if there's anyone out there who anyone knows who does not believe that COVID is real and the horror and the damage, the toll it takes on families, please, 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 if you don't believe data, don't believe newscasters. It's real. It's still out there. Please wear a mask. Please be safe and please get vaccinated when you have the opportunity to do so. I appreciate that you all have been listening and I will be back in June reinvigorated with new sounds for perverts and other things and new topics to discuss. So stay well and see you in June. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll be back every Monday with new episodes. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe or follow me. You can find me on Apple, Spotify, Google, Alexa, wherever you prefer to find your podcasts. You can also follow my Instagram at Pop Into Politics. Until next time, sending good vibes and well wishes to you all. Thanks for listening.